0: My name is Mike Kelber, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And if you're joining us online, thank you so much for for joining us. I think it's really cool that we can be a part of a community together and worship God together, even if we're not always in the same room, that God goes far beyond uh, a building or physical space, that we're still united because of who Jesus is. So thanks for joining us. I love Black Friday shopping. Uh, not like fake Black Friday shopping that starts on Thanksgiving. I mean like Black Friday shopping 10 years ago when you woke up at 4 a.m. and you put on your hat and your gloves and you, wait, you drove to the parking lot, you waited outside and in, out in the cold and when the doors opened, you rushed inside to find your deals and, and then you headed to the next store. And there was one year in particular, about at least 10 years ago, because Ashley and I didn't have kids that we found ourselves at Target and we had gone through the ads and we knew what we were after and we got there early and we were ready to go and they opened the doors and back then they they would put all the different things that were door busters throughout the store so that way they weren't concentrated in the electronics area and so you never knew fully where things were going to be in the store so when we when we walked in ashley went left and i went right and we're both looking for uh whatever it was and i really don't even remember what it was but I found it and Ashley's on the other side of the store and I start looking around at other things because I've got our prize and she finally calls me and she's like, I got it. I got the last one. I got the last TV and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, where are you? I start walking to her and she's like, I got the last one, the last TV and I'm like, we're not after a TV. Like, What do you mean? And I find her and she's in this open space cause there was hundreds of TVs there before and she's like death grip on this TV. Like this is my TV as people are walking by cause she's got the last one. And I had to talk her out of buying this TV because it, we didn't need a TV. She just kind of got caught up in, in Black Friday and, and the mob mentality of like, hey, everybody's doing this. So maybe we should too. Like we're gonna miss out on something. Do you ever get caught up in what seems like what everybody else is doing? That the crowd is moving in this direction, and you just find yourself being swept into it? You know, like uh, we make comments like, "This is the way that things are," or "This is the way we've always done them," or "This is what everyone's wearing," or "This is what everyone's watching," or what how everybody thinks. And uh, we get influenced all the time. By companies that spend billions and billions of dollars to tell us what we should think and what should be the most important to us so how do we sift through all that how do we filter all the things that are coming in to make sure that we have a laser focus that make sure that we hit what really matters Stephen Covey wrote a book many years ago called the seven habits of highly effective people and his third habit is to put first things first, and it's this idea of making sure that you get done the most important things done, and so he, get, he created this diagram or this matrix that, to help people understand and to maximize their time and their energy using the, uh, urgency and importance, and so he created this Uh, this matrix and there's four boxes that you can see with urgency on top with things that are urgent and things that aren't urgent and then on the left side here you've got what's important and what's not important and you know things that are are urgent and important are sometimes crises that come up you know things that were unexpected that that are time sensitive that, that are highly important but then there's also things that are not urgent but are really important. You know, This could be like a family vacation. It, vacation, time away, and rest and recuperation are important, but they're not necessarily urgent. Uh, or, or where we live sometimes, in a lot of ways, is in unimportant things that maybe sometimes are urgent. They're the emails that come up or, or relationships, interruptions. But then there's the fourth category here that are things that are not urgent and unimportant. You know, Netflix and um, things of that nature that maybe are time killers that just that we spend maybe sometimes a lot of our time in that box and we miss out on what sometimes maybe what's most important. You know, when you... uh, When you procrastinate, oftentimes you're moving something from not urgent to urgent. But is it important or not? And we can do this in every area of our lives. And I think sometimes we can do this spiritually. We can have like spiritual ADD that we take our focus off of Jesus and maybe what's real important. And we can get bogged down in some things that aren't necessarily as important. That take our focus off of Jesus and put our focus on other things. So, how do we keep the main thing the main thing? How do we keep Jesus the most important thing in our lives? Paul addresses this in Philippians. But before we take a look at Philippians, let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together to come to you in your presence. And to sit at your feet and to allow you to speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would use this time as we look at your word to meet us right where we're at. Lord, give us a heart to hear. Give us eyes to see. Lord, help us to meet you. Prepare us to meet you this right where we're at. And may you use this time to reveal yourself to us and to draw us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. So last week, Pastor Bob took us through Philippians chapter 1. And we talked about the joy that Paul had and where it comes from. that, That Paul's joy was not built in his circumstances, but that they were built in who Jesus is and his resurrection and what he's done for us. And at the end of chapter 1, Paul writes this, starting at verse 27. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my presence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, Contending as one man by the faith of the gospel. Conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Isn't that the main thing? I mean, can, can we live our lives in relationship with Jesus that speaks to his truth through the way that we live? You know, can, can we stand firm in this world in a way that is united with God's Spirit, being one in faith. And here in chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul gives us a foundation on how we do this. How we keep Jesus the focus of our lives. How we keep him to be the main thing. And so he starts out in chapter 2, verses one. starting at verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So this foundation that Paul's talking about is that God wants us to approach him and the world with humility. It's this humble approach where it's not about us. But let's be honest, our natural tendency is to make things about us, but that's what Paul's challenging us, on making it not about us. So I'm an extrovert, and I, I really don't mind the attention coming my way. And so what I, what I do is I find little opportunities to get noticed. Um, and I have to fight that because I really like the attention. Uh, for example, um, when I'm at a birthday party and we're singing happy birthday, I have to fight the urge to sing in a way that is normal with everybody else because I want to, I want to stand out in the crowd. So, you know, I, I have to fight the urge to go, happy birthday to you. Because I want to be different. I want to, I want to steal the, some of the attention, and, and it's horrible. It's, it's terrible because it's the, their birthday. It's not my birthday. It's, sometimes it's my kid's birthday. Sometimes it's other kids' birthdays that were uh, at the birthday party. And it's, you know, it's the one day out of the year where it's all about them. And the, the happy birthday moment of, of the cake coming out and the candles being lit and the lights are down low and everyone's looking at whoever it is that we're singing to. It's their moment. And I have to fight myself from trying to steal some of the spotlight. I don't know what's wrong with me, but, but th- that's kind of where, where I'm at. Um, and we naturally want to make things about ourselves. You know, and we don't even think about it at times. You know, we'll listen to someone sharing a problem, and we'll respond with, well, well this is how I would do it. Or... You know, let me tell you about my experience. And, you know, sometimes that's helpful, but we're bringing it still back to us. And we don't even always realize it. But it's not about us. It shouldn't be about us. It should be about Jesus. What's important is knowing Jesus and making him known. And it's not about us. It's this humble approach that we need to bring to life to Jesus and to others. Paul gives us goes on in chapter 5 at the very or verse 5 at the very end he's, he said your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Humility in our attitude. We need to bring a humility in our attitude. See our attitude is what we think or feel about something. And I talk to my kids about this all the time. It's, it's always the second kid that gets caught. You know, the, the, the first kid never gets caught. You know, they, they hit it and, and we see the reaction. And so you jump on the second kid. And, and the conversations that I have with them are always like, hold on, hold on, calm down, take a breath. I don't necessarily fully care what they did. I, I, right now, I, wanna, I care about what you're gonna do. And you're in control of your response and your actions. Because that is something that we're in control. I can't control what somebody else does, but I can control what I do. And I'm, I'm constantly telling my kids that. Because we control our attitude. We control whether we're prideful or we control whether we're humble. But, you know, we have no reason to really be prideful. And we have all the reason to approach people with humility and approach God with humility because we are all sinners saved by God's grace. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we all sin, we're no better than anyone else. We're all on the equal playing field. So it doesn't matter if you're you're rich or poor or tall or short or smart or good looking or the color of your skin or where you grew up. We are all on equal playing field. You're a sinner, I'm a sinner, your neighbors are, people in other countries, we're all sinners. We're all equal in that. So what do we have to be proud about? And then, you know, and then it's, The fact that God is the one who gives us the gift of eternal life. It's nothing that we did to deserve it. You didn't do anything to deserve God's gift of eternal life for you. I didn't do anything to deserve it or to earn it. Because God freely gives of himself so that all our sins could be forgiven. So why should we have an attitude of humility is because we're all the same. We all start at the same place and we're all given the opportunity to receive a gift that Jesus is giving each of us. And when we carry this attitude of of Jesus is the one that gives us this gift and we're all in the same boat, it's easier for us to show grace, compassion, love, mercy. It changes our approach to other people and to Jesus. When we have this attitude of humility, we know that we were saved because of Jesus and that it's so much easier for us to extend that to others. Pastor Bill and our student ministry, they're in a series called Rescue, and they're talking about this very idea that we need Jesus. And for the whole month of November, he's like, we're going to break him down so we can build him up. And there he's talking to the, to the students about our need for Jesus. Because if you don't know that you have a need, if you don't know that, you start, that you, we all start out as sinners, then why are we going to gravitate to Jesus? And so a humble attitude is grateful and uniquely aware of their need for Jesus and others' need for Jesus. So do I walk around seeing people this way? Do I walk around with an attitude of desperate thankfulness for Jesus? Or am I comfortable with my life and do I act like, you know, I've got it and Jesus is kind of just the cherry on top? Because how we view our need for Jesus impacts the way that we live. And so Paul challenges that our attitude should be like Jesus. And so starting at verse 6, he he really kind of unpacks that. It says, uh, talking about Jesus, who, being in ver- the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself... He says have our attitude like jesus and jesus's humility part of jesus's humility comes in his position you know we read that he didn't consider it uh to be equal with man with god he made himself nothing he took on the nature of a servant he was he took on human likeness the appearance of man he was obedient see jesus's humility was positional it was how he positioned himself Because part of humility is how we position ourselves. It's putting God where he belongs, up on his throne, and you and I where we belong, at his feet. See, Jesus didn't use all of his power to come down to earth in this grand, great gesture. He comes as a baby. Mary and Joseph had to change Jesus's diapers. They had to burp him. They had to teach him how to ride a bike, drive a car, and manage his allowance. Jesus didn't have this grand palace that people flocked to him. Jesus walked from town to town. Jesus got up from the table, and he, he washed people's feet like a servant. And then Jesus says, you know, I'm giving you the example. I'm the example no servant is greater than his master. So follow my example. That's how Jesus is, Jesus positioned himself as a servant, in a humbly low position. How do we position ourselves? You know, our, what are the things that maybe we're too important to do? You know, are 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 we too spiritual? to have non-believing friends? You know, maybe we're too knowledgeable, we're too smart to spend time in God's word. You know, do, do we know how to use our resources, what God's given us, better than what God does? Do we, do we position ourselves in that way? Do we surround ourselves with people who tell us what we want to hear? Or do we position ourselves with mentors to challenge and to speak into us? Do we ask the Holy Spirit to really lead us and guide us wherever and whenever he wants? Do we trust God enough to really let go? What position do we hold in our lives? Are we the most important person? Are we better than other people? Do we think that we're better? You know, when we're driving by someone on the corner and they're holding a sign, what are the thoughts that go through our heads? Or when we hear of a volunteer opportunity or a need, do we wait for somebody else to fill the void or do we step in? What position do you and I hold in our lives and what position does Jesus hold in our lives? Paul then goes on uh, to talk about uh, our humility in our words. He switches gears. And in verse 14, he starts, he says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Isn't that the goal? That we shine like stars in the universe. That we make Jesus known. And as you hold out the word of life in order that I might boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am ha- I am glad and rejoice with all of you so that you should be glad and rejoice with me. Our words... It- our words is kind of an outside expression for how people view us. And so our words can speak to our humility or our pride. And Paul had a lot of reason to be grumpy with all the things that he's gone through. He had a whole lot of reason to complain. And here we see that he's in prison and he's telling this church not to complain or argue. Don't get to get along, don't get caught up in in arguing. Be united, rejoice in what the Lord is doing. Paul doesn't really care about his situation that he finds himself in. He just cares about if Jesus is getting the glory, and he knows that the things that he says will have an impact on that. Paul writes, uh, or James writes about our, our tongues in in James chapter three, verse eight. He says, "Likewise, the tongue is the small is a small part of the body." But it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Like, it, it's this the tongue and what comes out of our mouth is so vital. And humility is often the key for us to tame our tongue. That's why I think Paul mentions it, because if we can control our tongue, then it's much easier for us to shine like stars in the universe. You know, we can shine his light in the world by the things that we say. So do we acknowledge and give Jesus credit for what's going on? Or do we just, you know, say, I was lucky. Do we have the joy of the Lord, but always share the negative things in life? You know, do we think and believe the worst in a situation instead of looking to the Lord and how He is at, in each situation? Because what we say is, is the overflow of what's in us. So when we're having a bad day, can we still be thankful for who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. Can we be the encouragement for others and come alongside them and point them to who Jesus sees them as? You know, do our words build Jesus up or do they elevate ourselves? What, What our words say, says a lot about our position and God's position. And it says a lot about our attitude. Then Paul ends kind of uh, this chapter by highlighting uh, two, two people. He highlights Timothy and Epaphroditus. And um, the way that Paul talks about Timothy, I think, is, is just incredible. Um, I wish that, I hope that, that I have the same legacy as Timothy has. Because in chapter 2, verse 20, this is what Paul writes about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like him who takes genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. He's saying this is how great Timothy is. Like he's amazing. I have no one else like him. Because he, is, he isn't concerned about his own interest. He's concerned about Jesus's interest. He has laser focus. Are we? Can we say that? That we are about what Jesus is interested in. Paul encourages the church of Philippi with this strong and tough challenge. He sets the bar really high for the church in Philippi to strive toward. And I think it's, it's the same for us. I want to ask you right where you're at to take a quick inventory of how you're doing, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Take these three areas of humility. Which one do you think might deserve some some attention? How would somebody describe you? Would they say that Man, she is so selfless. She cares more about what concerns Jesus than herself. Is that that what people are saying about you or think about you? You know, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Let's let that be our focus. And, And when I think about this text, and as I've been reading through it and preparing for it, I have to ask myself, how my life would be different if I cared more about Jesus's interests rather than my own interests. And that's a tough question to ask. But then I follow it with an even harder question, which makes me feel even more uncomfortable. Because the next question is, am I willing to make the changes? You know, am I willing to take some risks? Am I willing to let go of my comforts, my routines? Am I willing to stand out to be different, to give of my time, to do things differently? You know, are, are these going to be just some verses that, that we read? Or am I willing to really internalize them and humble myself for the sake of the cross? Now, I, I know what the right answer is, but it gets messy. And I'm guessing that I'm not the only one that is or needs to answer those questions. And it's my desire and my hope for, that it's your desire, too, is for us to conduct ourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, can we live in such a way that when people see us, they see Jesus because of the humility that we bring? That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for us as a church. Pray with me. Dear Lord, we thank you for knowing that we are all sinners and still loving us. Thank you for looking past our sin and by giving us the gift of your Son that we can be forgiven and we can be in relationship with you. Lord, forgive us for the times that we lose focus, that we, we get onto something that isn't really important or, or isn't really necessary or urgent And we take our focus and our attention and our time and our energy away from you. Lord, forgive us for those. Lord, forgive us for our pride that sometimes gets in the way and that changes our focus and it takes our eyes off of you and puts us in the limelight. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us this week point out one area that we can be more humble this week, that we can approach you and others in a light that that spreads your name, that points people to you. Lord, whether it's the way that we, our attitude that we bring or the way in which we position ourselves And prioritize ourselves in our our lives, or through the ways in which we talk about ourselves and our situation and the way that we talk about you. Lord, I pray that you would just help us this week to focus more on what matters most and let the other things fall away. Lord, we love you and we thank you for the opportunity that we get to serve you and to bring you glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.